You'll have to go to the emails for the descriptions. All right, everybody, welcome. It is 6 o'clock. We are here. It is Thursday. Bearded Drums Live. Let's see who we got here in the chat. Pop out that chat, why don't you? Oh, don't you know. Oh, don't you know. All right, chat is up. Jarrett is up and running. I was a little behind. Got scared away. We're all behind. The whole thing is behind. All right. So, again, welcome, everybody. If you catch this on the replay, glad you are hanging out with us. Jarrett and myself, every Thursday, pandemic rules apply. Here for your entertainment pleasure from the beautiful Gulf Coast of Mississippi. The one and only. The one and only. Some dude yelled at me on Call of Duty today. I think he thought he was being intimidating with his redneck voice and I had gotten this like I mean it can't be that long of a discussion it's between matches <laughs> yeah but like I was like dude I'm from Mississippi you don't get any more southern than here so don't try to hey man me I know hey man I can come right back at your house he tried to hoss me I'm like no 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 that's a that's a that's a that's a false that's a false move that's when you call him yellow <laughs> not yellow 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 and if he doesn't know what that means we're like yeah, yeah, no, no. Sorry, no. I was like, don't try to play with me, son. I might not have the, the deepest draw ever, but I am from Mississippi, so don't mess with me, homie. I thought about going as Boss Hog for Halloween. I know. You the, mentioned that on yeah. Sunday. That would be a great, and it, and probably because we are in the beautiful <laughs> South, you could probably, the, the chance of you walking into a Goodwill or a, uh, what's the other brand of uh, thrift store, America's thrift store, Yeah, and find a white 70s suit. I mean... I got close. There's, 50-50. There's one down the road. You remember that, like, at the mall, that men's store, but it was all for, like... Yeah, yeah, no, it's, like, pimp style yeah. or whatever. And it's, it's like, do you need a, a suit in any of these 100 colors? Yeah, there's a bunch of those there, but none of my size. Like, everything's, like, 4X to, like... 6x i'm like these are some big dudes in these big suits <laughs> i don't but like it's the whole three piece you get the the jacket the vest and the pants and some of them even come with a flat cap like attached <laughs> at the hip i was like that's how you know you're real when you have a whole uh, ensemble dakota dakamomo did that the not the second to last time we were in uh lake charles we went to the mall to kill time on the saturday or whatever and they have one of those every mall has that store Multicolored suits. Do you need a suit that's made of sequins? Do you need matching green gator shoes? Like yeah. every mall has one. And he found some shoes in the clearance section. Um, he's worn them to the juke that, joint. Those crushed velvet ones? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he paid like 16 bucks for these shoes. And we've always sworn that he, you know, he would go back and get the suit. But now we haven't been back to Lake Charles since. Well, he has a great excuse on Christmas this year. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. What's better? What's more Christmassy than a crushed red velvet suit to go with the holiday cheer? He's got to get there at like 3 a.m. There's the link you sent me. Boom. Man, that took forever. Yeah. I don't think I should have updated to iOS 15 with this phone. I think this phone is just a little too old. <laughs> this is a 7. Um, we both have home buttons on our Yeah, on our I still phone. have the fingerprint reader. So I don't have that on mine. <laughs> 
I think I crossed the, and it, you know, it's weird because it gave me the option. It said it did need to update, but it was like 14.8.7. Yeah. Um, and then I did that and, and the little red notification went away. So the phone's like, doesn't, and I saw the button, like, if you want, you can go to iOS 15 and now my phone sucks. So thanks Apple. I Appreciate only upgrade my phone whenever it forces me to. And I just, since my schedule of where I sleep, it's like at 4 a.m. it starts. Well, my phone's off the charge at 4 a.m. So I've just been able to bypass it for years. Well, and plus, like, I would normally agree with you, but lately they have had two security updates for the Apple stuff where they had to patch something so that p- people couldn't peer into your That's the best thing about an Apple is you can't really get into an Apple phone. Um, so they, I, that's the only reason I did the security updates. I was dumb and went to 15 I mean, granted, I've had this phone forever, so I can't complain. Again, we were talking about that earlier. Like, it's nothing to complain about. You have a phone that was bought in, I don't know, that's like seven years ago. And it works. If you take it out of the case, it looks brand new. And it works fine. So, well, it did. Um, So. I did the math of mine. I think mine is five years old now. Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, I'm only going that off of the the last text message I have on the phone. What is yours? (laughs) Crap! If I know, I don't. I don't. I don't know what my phone is. It's probably an eight. Yeah, it's probably an eight. So yeah, like five or six years old. So eight, nine. And mine's like six or seven years old. We're now five generations past what I've been rocking. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The thirteen's out now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's which is. I have to admit, when I saw the video that Amber's twelve took, I was quite impressed. It like was approaching camera quality, like you know, full size camera quality. And then every article I've seen on the release of the 13 is like, whatever, 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 the camera is dope. So it seems like that was what their main focus was, to take the camera up another notch. I, I bet it looks really good, but it's also hyper expensive. Yeah. Another friend of mine's uh, saving up to get one. She's like, well, if I turn my phone in, all I have to do is pay $775. I'm like, $775. That's about right. And that's probably like that she's getting a high value for her phone. I think, yeah, on her trade, because she's got one of the newer ones, too. Yeah. Like, if I even walked out with mine, they'd be like... No, they're, we're the ones that give... We'll give you $100. And it's yeah. like, no, 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 I'm going to keep the phone. Yeah. That thing was $800 brand new. You know, like, I will keep... The, it'll be a backup camera. They'll never get my phone again. Uh, I'll never do the trading, because if you have... If you've ever done the trade-in when you get a new phone, unless, like you said, if you have a newer phone... You're gonna get a good trade, but if you have an old phone, they're gonna be like, it's like trading in an old car. They give you a thousand dollars. Yeah, you know, so it's like, no, I think I'll just keep it. Yeah, and pay you the absorb. Eventually, obviously, I'll need a new phone. That thing will crap out at some point, and it'll take an hour to get a text instead of five. <laughs> it's like five minutes to yeah. sit for you to send me a text. Um, all right, so everybody is arriving. I see Charlie's here, Josh is here, Frank is here. We got Mark Whitman, we got Michael Garduno, and we got David Huckstep. About, yeah, about 10 people hanging out thus far. So, how's your week going since I saw you on Sunday? Um, Did you work any? Yeah, uh, I worked Monday, which was super duper lame. Um, it was, man. Aren't they always? It was... It was slow, and then I, like it picked up, and then I got my butt kicked. I made five hundred dollars. We had a really good Monday. Hmm. I made five. Blue made five. Zach made five. And so that that's fifteen hundred across just the three of us on swing shift. Then on day shift, 
I think Josie made five. Jessica made seven. I think Heather also made five. We had a really good Monday, like surprisingly. Huh. Because most of the time, you know, I might be lucky if I clear like a hundred on a weekday. Maybe the gamblers are just happy now that all of our little activities as of recent, like the summer stuff is done. Cruising's yeah. done. Like all, they can just kind of get back to regular schedule without like hyper crowds coming in. Maybe that's or at least the only thing I could think. Yeah, we did uh, talk about and notice that on Monday and Tuesday when I went and brought them donuts. Like, are the regulars back? They're like, yeah. Once cruising, like once Sunday night hit, yeah, yeah. Monday morning, everyone who's normally there was there. They've just been avoiding. The, the, it feels like this time of year, it's kind of the same thing with the gigs. The gigs change, too. Like, it, all those, obviously, all the summer stuff, yes, <laughs> the summer stuff stops, like hang out and... Uh, the big AJs. It's you're not really going to get any more of those until we hit spring again, and it becomes more kind of regular on Sundays. Like you'll still get the influx, but from here on out, you kind of know who's going to be there. It's us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that core group of people because all the summer stuff's done and all the you know <laughs> hashtag this is done for the summer. And but even, like I said, even with the gigs that I do that aren't here, it's a noticeable shift. Um, leading up to all the private parties in around Christmas time, and because of all the pandemic, people trying to catch up, you're still doing weddings. Yeah, you know, which is I have to do. That's what I have to do this weekend is a wedding about three hours away. Um, so it's a noticeable shift, just like you're kind of seeing, you know, there at work. Yeah, it's. Uh, but besides that, I mean, people were hitting on Monday and, and tipping well. So, and I've been off. Tuesday, Wednesday, and today. Nice. Like, gotta, cause um, since we're in slow season now, and we now have those new folks that are from like trained and done with us, um, my schedule kind of gets pulled back. Cause we're when we're part time, everyone always like gets upset, but no one really like does the math and like understands the part time position. And it's like we're not supposed to be able to be guaranteed those that the 31 hours underneath the full-time 32 it's like we as long as we are below 32 yeah yeah we're doing our job right and someone's like what i'm like don like what are you doing like why are you like begging for hours it's like that time is gone it's like i'm not sick anymore they were not shorthanded everyone's hired it's like there's too many people on the floor yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. even yourself are getting upset it's like so yeah people be getting eo'd or early outed uh it's the casino term uh people are getting eo'd left and right like on a friday we had three people leave before seven Jeez, yeah like i got there at six and then terry got cut um ali got cut and zach got cut well i noticed that my gig on friday night it was you know it wasn't very busy mm -mm. um granted cruising was going on so i'm sure that was what you know took most of those people away but yeah and it was even worse saturday it was even slower which is weird because, like, we, everyone got cut, but then table games slammed. Yeah, yeah. Just shenanigans. So I think we're just in a weird slow season right now. And I guess we're getting out of that. We're going to the, the holiday season. Oh, yeah. From And we're now, like, pandemic holiday post-release-ish season. It's so, going to be a weird one. Yeah, so everyone's not quite sure what to do. It's like, you know, it's weird. We're not really on lockdown anymore. We're all kind of free. I think everyone's got all their... Yeah, their jitters out, and now it's like, well, what's going to happen? Well, yeah, like I said, it's going to be a weird holiday season um, with the delays and everything. And I mean, uh, 
I'm sure there's some things you still just can't even get. Like, I would imagine if you wanted that new iPhone 13, it's probably not guaranteed that the C Spire office right down the road yeah, has one. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they have some, and they can get them to you, but it's not like it used to be where the phone is literally right there, and you're going to walk out that day. Now, if you live in a bigger city like Atlanta or you know even bigger cities, New York, then probably getting one is fairly easy. Yeah, like even Sweetwater has like one model and one color. Of the, yeah, yeah. of the of the new Macs. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Like the minis, I think they're out of minis, out of MacBook Pros. I think it's just now just the Mac itself is like you can get the lowest one. Loose amount of bells and whistles in like green. Yeah. And they only have that. There's only one in stock of that too. I, I mean, and we're still short uh, drum heads. And I mean, it's not as easy as it used to be. Yeah. Um, where I'm just used to be, being in stock and like prime to get a coated, you know, uv1 now it's like well it's free shipping but it's coming from chicago music exchange which means it's going to take longer yeah so it's like it's just not it's i don't think it's going to be even half as quick as last time which is half as quick as what it should be so it's going to be a noticeable impact and it's just so strange with that too like whenever uh malone sent me that package so that was like what Thursday, I guess he sent it out, and I got it Saturday. Like I came home from work, and like there's the Menards box for the front door inside. I'm like, dope. Well, I'll even still give it to Sweetwater if they have it. It's coming quick. I've gotten stuff uber quick from them, like literally two days. Because I, when I was talking to him about, it, I believe there's like a, like the supply chain that comes from that northeast down. I think it's just a straight shot they're able to do. Yeah. Um. So there's no there's no like crazy bypass swapping hands i think it's just yeah the, you come down because like i said it was so fast getting here like when i got the the tracking whenever it's like it'll be here saturday before 9 p.m i'm like no way yeah yeah. i'm like i feel like uh drink out of cups get real <laughs> no way not now not never <laughs> get home from work boom there it is i'm like whoa uh, colored me impressed yeah yes some t- yeah, no, UPS and FedEx kill it. Um, I think FedEx is a little less nice to your package. Yeah. But UPS and FedEx will get it there the date that they say it's coming. You, The Postal Service? Eh. Rip in peace. Yeah. It's, it's done. It's like USRIPS. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, it's, United States Rest and Postal Service. That's, that's what I believe it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started with the day. Please remember, guys, that if you want to see the audio-only version of the podcast, you can find us on all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, even the lowly revered Google Podcasts, and of course, live most, if not all, Thursdays here, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Thank you so much. Um, We got a couple of cool submissions from the guys this week. It seems that Mark has caught up on his project. And, of course, as always, Josh has a new creation to show off. Um, I, did you find the... Okay, am I in... Uh, I'm in the email right yeah, now. Yeah, and it should so. just, she should see they're both close to each other. Okay. Who you got up there? I got Mark. All Marky right. Mark. So this is coming from Mr. Mark Whitman, and I will let Jared take it away with the description. Wait, no. Yeah, with a description. Well, since I uh, 
before we get started, since I was talking about Scream, I will do the Scream intro for what he wrote. Uh, <laughs> he goes, what's up, my friends? Uh, the Rogers uh, Black Diamond Pearl Kit is coming along nicely. I still have to finalize the 8x12 rack. I am waiting on the lugs, internal muffler, and script badges, one for each drum. The floor tom looked like it had been sorely abandoned. It was rough. I was told by the seller that an older gentleman had it in his basement next to the furnace, and the wrap had all but fallen off. The chrome bits were cleaned up, although not perfectly, but at least it's original, wrapped in vintage black diamond pearl from Jam and Sam's, and it looks very close to the original wrap on the base. When I got everything together, I will send more images and hopefully a 30-second video. Keep on rocking, Marky Mark. Now, that hardware looks... It gets in rough shape. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at other photos. Yeah. But at least he's got the mounts, though. Like, he's got the three floor tom mounts. He's got the right legs. That muffler. And all those parts. God. I can just imagine all the Dawn dish soap. You probably just soak <laughs> that in. But like he said, it's all original. That's that's really the best you can get. I mean, there's nothing you have to go out and find and fit and piece together. I mean, yeah, it's, and it's, it's Rogers, so you know it's well-built stuff. If I ever had to like go on tour, it's like I would probably find an old Rogers kit and be like, I'm gonna just schlep this around. Mm -hmm. It's a 2012, 14, and then just kill it. Like, what about your no? Just find a cheap Rogers because like everyone's been saying, it's their hardware is so good. It is. I mean, even look at those legs. Like their legs are square. They're not even round. Like it's not going anywhere. No, no. I I uh, remember the kit we all had that blue spark. That stuff was so cool. It, everything had a ball joint, which is like, who thought of that in 19... Whatever. Like, hex legs instead of round legs. Or any rod, really, was yeah. a hex rod. So it's not going to move. Um, I was surprised that because the ball joints were really small and only held in by that really short screw yeah, um, that still took the drum key, but that little tiny, like that little bit of pressure, it never moved. Um, and that kit that we all got to play was that one that had the little conversion kit that had the pedal that turned the 16 into a bass, a cocktail bass drum. And it actually had two mounts on the side of that floor tom where you could take the snare and the little tom, the 12, and, and make a cocktail kit. And that stuff still worked when I got it from you. The pedal with the leather strap right into place worked properly. You, it could bear the weight of those two drums on the side. That was one of the neatest kits ever. Um, granted, I'll take what I got for it because I traded it for the, the reference. So I'm happy about that. But if I were to have that kit and have the option to trade it away, I wouldn't. Yeah. Like that thing is probably worth And I, if I remember correctly, the, the finish, the blue sparkle was like 90% perfect. Like that kit was meant. Where did it end up? Do we even know? Um, no, I've, cause I was supposed to have gotten it years ago, but I never did. And I think you got it from Pat cause this was, this is. No, no, my, I got it from, from you, you because when Pat asked me about the kit, it was in Pinkston's and literally that kit was stacked up against the wall. And I was like, well, you still own that one? And he was like, yeah, I was like, even trade. And that was that was the deal, so I had to have gotten it from Hugh, um, and I played it quite a bit. That was a night. That was a good kit. That was a really good kit. 
that you could actually, I think you could take that thing out and play it for a long time and kind of beat it up, and it would still, it would it would behave just fine. Well, we'll have to ask. Uh, yeah, I wonder what happened to that. We'll have to figure it out. The the mystery. Mm-hmm. The, Whoever's the got it, that's a, that's a that's a good vintage kit. Because um, I don't think too many of us, you know, and let me know if you disagree in the chat, own vintage pieces that can really be road ridden. Like, yeah, uh, taking an Acrolyte out and playing it even all the time. That's understandable. But like if you had a 50s whatever and you're like, no, no I play this thing every night and I, I'm not like. I'm not ginger with it. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and clean the lugs yeah. every gig. Like, no, it's going to go back in the case and then <laughs> be thrown in the back of the van and be done with. I'll pull it out in the morning whenever I get home. He said, uh, Mark said, lots of Evaporust got the parts pretty clean, a little aluminum foil for finalization, which I've seen guys do, and I've never thought in the moment to try it when I'm doing something like that is to use the tinfoil. I, I have. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. I have the hardest time. I use what everyone tells you not to use, and I get the fine steel wool, and I just go to town. I like that's um, not for drumming related stuff, but for when I was doing the resin stuff. One of the final processes, and actually, um, because I learned it from the resin stuff, I applied it when that guy said to do it in the video for the snare we did. Um, same thing, like it was like clear coat, clear coat, clear coat, clear coat a couple of different grits of sandpaper and then the last thing on that was that super fine what is it point zero 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 steel wool yeah it gets gets under four zeros yeah that's what i use and then i've seen guys even go a step further than that like well once you get done with the steel wool if you want to be like really fancy you can go through and just get a brown paper bag and then you sand with a brown paper bag wow I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. It's like some guess what some guys do between like at the last final part of clear coat, they'll do that at the very end. Yeah, yeah. And it just gets just like the ever so slight. Huh. It's weird. Yeah. I was because I had never done the steel wool thing, so the first couple of times I saw it applied, like on that snare, I was like, Wow, you would think because it's abrasive, I mean it feels abrasive, that it would not produce what it produces. Yeah. But it's it's really weird. Um but it works. You heard it here. You heard it here <laughs> yeah. first, folks. Mark said yes. The quadruple zero steel wool is pretty safe, actually. Yeah, I, like I said, I was surprised, but um, before doing the resin work, and then that being the first time I'd ever really cl- like heavy clear coated a snare, um, that was one of the cooler things I, that I that I picked up. I was like, man, you can apply that to. Granted, I'm too lazy to ever want to clean some chrome on a drum. <laughs> It's to me like it's literally. I would whenever I did it, I would put a conch on the background, like whatever it is. Like I don't care. I'll put it on, and I have all your paper towels, and steel wool and brasso, and I just sit there with I'll have gloves on because my hands will start yeah, to yeah. burn, um, and I just sit there, and I rub nonstop, and then I wipe it all off, and I'm like, well, let me do it again, and then because like I'm the, way the, too lazy for that. And when, once you get done, you don't want to touch it with your grubby little fingers because yeah, yeah, yeah. you put fingerprints on that's just clean so you have to let it sit there and like dry and then whenever you put it back on the drum whenever I did like all three drum kits those like couple years ago when I got the, the Crosstown yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff when I redid that Yamaha kit Jesus Christ like I like I put all the holder back on and then I went and grabbed a, a microfiber towel and then like rubbed all the lugs down where I touched them yeah, yeah. and I was like 
You're perfect. You're fine. Now you just can't touch it. <laughs> yeah. And, and what, this, is what I, this is what I did. This is how, like, this is depressing. I did all that work, spent three nights on it after I got off at the buffet. Yeah, yeah. The whole kit's done. What did I do whenever everything was said and done? I grabbed an old sheet out of the, the laundry closet or whatever, and I covered it so I wouldn't get dusty. Yep. You couldn't see the beautiful kit. You just saw a really soft... But just know that under that I mean, sheet, under that sheet, it's dope. It's great, but but you no, can't see it. No, and I was like, well, "What should I do?" And then we moved, and then now it's in all of its beauty. But Mark, it looks good. I look at the, at the big photo. The color's really close to. I think it's just a little bit more silver compared to the the cake drum. Might just be the light, a little like a little bit more gray, but it looks great. It's got a little bit more sheen to it, but. If you ever sell it, uh, let me know. <laughs> yeah, because you totally need another drum yeah, kit. Yeah, another, another. Rider. Totally. You can't even bring the drum kit you just got. You keep forgetting to bring that one. Jarrett's supposed to have brought us a little bop kit to show off. Don't but... harsh my vibe, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to harsh your vibe, man. You got to bring that kit. I need you to mellow out, dude. <laughs> I don't have time for this. <laughs> no, I'm excited to hear it. I mean, I love I love tiny drum kits, so I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be a banger. It's fun. Um, I I got a couple of videos on my phone saved. I'll show you of the of the post bop tuning. It's all lower now. Nice, because I br I brought it down. It it thwaps. That's hey. I think it's uh. It just sounds good in that corner. It could sound like crap in your room, but who knows? All you have to do is move it an inch, and then all of a sudden it doesn't sound right anymore. Yeah, it's got a pinstripe and a felt strip. <laughs> Sounds terrible, but in, in theory it works. Hey. Wood, wood beater. Been playing with that a little bit too on it. I tried to, uh, I found, I have a weird, you have to look at it and tell me what it is. Is it over there? On your little, your, yeah. I saw your little mount. Um, the, I have a, it looks, you know how the Tama beater looks? It's real small. Yeah. It looks like that, but it's not Tama because it's got an extra screw to tighten the other angle down not the the pitch but like the uh the turn the yaw yeah the yaw um so it maybe is a trick throw but it's a wood beater and i was like oh that's that'd be cool it sounds like crap now granted it might be that i think it's that beater um maybe possibly designed for dark level metal you know something something Cookie. subterranean <laughs> is there a subterranean metal uh, there can be now. I mean, it's all we could get into like, uh, like where the guy is grunting so low, you really don't even hear it. You just see him doing it. Ooh, I've never, I'd be, I'd, that's what I'm talking about. Like, like down, like actually summoning demons, like where the pitch is so low, you could actually, cause like you were talking about the true, um, like what, what was it? The, the, the true shape of an angel. Yeah. It's the, not, not what we think it is. Mm -hmm. Covered in eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons of wings. But, like, not changed, necessarily no. a cute-looking thing. And if that's an angel, imagine a demon that you could summon with this, we're going to call it for now, subterranean metal. Subterranean metal. I just, I mean, I've never, I've never played anything harder than alternative. So, <laughs> but I am dubbing this new form. <laughs> we're going to have to go with that. <laughs> You're, go, you know I'm more about all the metal forms and be like, do you think you're middle enough? We're getting below sea level, dog. We're getting... I love that. There's that. You've seen it. Everybody's probably seen that flow chart of the med, the different metals. Yeah. Um, I need to find. Let's find it right now, and see what the lowest 
you know, most, ag- I guess, be most aggressive. Most aggressive, gosh. Um, you're going you're gonna to have to go down probably thrash side. We'll probably get you to it. I'm going to pull it up right. Okay, here we go. This one looks like it has. Oh, my Lord. There's a lot. I don't know if I can even zoom in. If you enough. think jazz has a bunch of subgenres, you're sorely mistaken. I know, okay, I guess I do need a simple one because... Um, because you get because in metal I can't zoom in tight enough on the big one to get uh <laughs> you gotta be careful of all the cores that's a big thing yeah 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 I've, that and maybe that's the one I've seen this one looks like so you got your hardcore and you got all your you got you got your metal and you got your cores you got your thrash thrash core thrash metal different bands it's a different genre it's most convoluted uh I love much as I love it here we go. Oh no! This is never mind. This is um, them talking about. No, that's terrible. There's a good documentary where the guy does the flowchart of um, what all branches out. Okay, this is a simple one, so maybe it'll. Uh, this at least according to this, because it says, "Does this involve Satan?" And if you hit yes, you would get to uh, black metal. Is that, I guess, what would be the the lowest? Because the whole flow chart takes you through, you know, you know, would you do this, blah, blah, blah. And then the last question is Satan. And if you hit yes, you get to black metal. If you hit no, you go to doom metal. Ooh, so uh, that's the that is the I mean Cause, at cause, least according to this flowchart that's the defining characteristic if you if the fork in the road is Satan or no it's like black metal and doom metal doom's good because doom is close to sludge and it's just and it's literally it's how instead of being like thrash is like how fast can you play okay sludge is like how slow can you go how low can you go it's just like atmospheric just so doom is in that camp yeah i guess okay just, so like, if if by what okay so i'm a virgin <laughs> never listen to because anything that i would consider metal by definition i know is not metal metallica is not you know really they what, used to be well yeah no yeah. I, of course yeah. everybody you know you can talk about just like the beatles you can talk about i'm talking about now like that's not, not that's corporatized anymore. you know yeah. um so i know what i think of as what i would use as an example is probably not you'd have to go like you two levels down and know the band names to be able yeah. to actually <laughs> you know but by what you have described to me if I, I guess the big fork in the road i'm on the doom side of things if i were to find something i actually could like i don't think i'd like the speedy aggressive maybe higher pitched yeah kind of yeah. stuff i'm more like you're describing sludgy doomy it's just it's just like it's just a wall of just thick sound it's just oh. an unstoppable force yeah which i can i can get down on that and then you have thrash was an immovable object because it's going so fast okay and you put those two together and then and it, what happens when those two thing hit what happens in the middle if you have uh you get is there a no. okay i was say is there a chosen <laughs> no. child of metal no. that only happens when the two opposing forces clash no because those are two super to me um two super hard they're they're so different to put them together and like to meet in the middle you would lose like the whole fundamentals of both of them so there can never can there be a goat of metal No, because there's, there's, it's too broad. 
it's just there's just so many because you could be like because matt doesn't agree with me on this i believe that um there's the the two original metal bands okay pay attention everybody you are getting a certified metal history lesson right now matt will say no I will say yes. I agree with the documentary that I watched completely. It makes the most sense. The two original metal bands that done it all. This is the this, Adam and the Eve. Yeah, this is this literally divides the Cain and Abel. This is what divides like what side of the fence you're going to be liking. It's you have Black Sabbath. Okay. You know, for all like the dark and gritty uh-huh. and ha, and then you have which is a lot of folks don't believe this. I think it's true. It makes sense to me. You have the more, like, blues slash lighter side of of the metal scene, which is Led Zeppelin. Okay. All right. And then from those two, it's like your dichotomy of, like, well, what, like, what happens from that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And then you have, like, the more blues metal and, like, your funk metal. Okay. And you get into, like, all your other stuff comes from, like, the Led Zeppelin side. And then you get, like, a, like your thrash, your death, and everything else comes from the Sabbath side. And they'll overlap like towards the very bottom, but that's like your those are your trunks. Like that's the main like you have like metals is the trunk, and then your first two big branches are those. And like from there, it's just see, I wouldn't whatever whatever you want to. Not do. only would I not know if you were to say <clears throat> for whatever reason Black Sabbath is one of the you know creating forces. Okay, but when you say Led Zeppelin, that doesn't make sense to me. Be only because I don't know. Yeah, metal. I would I would have never thought to consider. I would go like, no, that's just rock and roll. Um, granted, I don't listen to a lot of Zeppelin. Never was a you know, it just never really crossed my path. And I'm not a big Bottom fan. Like so, it's still not something that's really in my lexicon. Like three songs I can kind of play by Led Zeppelin only because they get played all the time. What rock and roll, um, ramble on because they do it at the Juke a lot. Yeah, and maybe another song that I don't Moby Dick uh, no no nobody's ever played that oh I thought here-ish oh no 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 no. Um, I'm I'm probably forgetting whatever the typical slow song somebody would play by Led Zeppelin uh, in a cover sense so it's like with that you know and we we talk about it all the time Um, uh, it's the same thing with like if you play blues guitar, you're probably playing Stevie Ray Vaughan and, you know, like the same four songs that everybody plays. If you play country, like real country, it's going to be the same thing. Probably, uh, I don't know, are there metal cover bands around here? Like does anybody um, do cover? Or is it like that we do half our shit and half covers? Well, it, for like metal cover bands, like you get into like, I guess like the original sense of a cover band. Like, you have, like, this band looks like that band, and they only gotcha. play their songs. Th- doing that theme. Yeah, they do the theme. Um, do we have those around here? No, we don't. Oh, okay. Um, it's all original. Yeah. So that, that's a... Because I think a big thing with, like, the metal players is, like, you don't bite um, other people's stuff. Oh, kind of like the... Uh, um, I, it's like rap, it's like you. Yeah, but I say you the, can pay tribute, but you, comedians were talking about how that even applies to comedy, which is obvious. You don't steal somebody's jokes, and the reference they were using was to rappers who were like, "No, you don't." What'd you say? Clip, bite, bite somebody's yeah. line. Yeah, you can. Uh, you can like 
take like <coughs> someone's flow or whatever and like slightly use it as like a reference to something. Yeah, you know. like you can like like um like you have guys like there's a song that Drake did where he literally took someone's entire verse yeah and just set it back to the audience as like it was his. Where you have some guys who like okay my this is a terrible example but. Contextually, Nicki Minaj does a whole thing where she goes, rawr, rawr, like a dungeon dragon, which is like a small section of scenario where Buster Rhymes okay. says the exact same but thing. But he's, he's, he's always a little kooky yeah, with his style, so it's it makes sense. It's the same inflection, like, you know, it's like, okay, that's cool, you didn't bite him. It's like, shout out to Buster Rhymes. I'm, I'm only laughing because it's something I've noticed. We haven't been doing the podcast long enough to, like... Oh, I know when you do this. Like, you don't know when I do shit, really. We haven't been doing this long enough. But I have noticed something with you, and it does take some time. It takes multiple weeks. But you, when you grab the mic and you talk, you <laughs> slightly rotate it, and what is happening right now, eventually you get to where the microphone is. If I'm using, like, you know when you look at a microphone's instructions in a box, and it shows you the polar pattern with, what, like, which way you should face it? Jarrett's mic is facing straight up and away from his face. I get, I'm sorry. Would you I'm, gonna, I'm just going to unplug it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jarrett, that mic should be pointed at your. Yeah, there you go. Face. Yeah, you're so much clearer now. Not well, guys. <laughs> well, you said we're supposed to hit it from across from the side, like like forever ago. <laughs> but not even if that's across them from the side. You're literally <laughs> speaking into the side of them. Well, I, I apologize because I thought I was doing it. I was like, well, I can't be. Because it seems like you have to glance across it, so I thought I'd been glancing, and I get so sub like self conscious. Where I think I'm not glancing anymore, to where I'm on the other side. I've now overshot the glance. <laughs> um, so yes, um, whatever the point we were talking about in that long tangent, biting that yeah. ended up in rap. Yeah. I don't even know where it started because that's between the two viewer submissions. We yeah. probably just went on a 15 minute tangent. Um, so yeah, now, thank you, Mark, for sending that in. It seems like the project is coming along at a at a good pace. And I hope you do find the the actual mounts that go for the uh, the the bass drum. If you decide you want to do that, because I know he's got plates coming up right now. Yeah, yeah. I always love the the Swivomatic, the whole. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Yeah. No, it's gonna be. It's gonna. I mean, no matter how long it takes, that will definitely pay off in the end for sure. So thank you, Mark, for sending that in, and we appreciate it as always. Now we will move on to the bespoke drummer himself, Mr. Joshua Breslow. Young Brez. All right, I am ready. When Do you have your yep, description? I got it. Yep, right, got go it ahead. We got drums from Josh. We got, hello, friends. This week I'm showing some pictures of my latest project. My good friend Troy and I have collaborated again for another painted bass drum head. Troy is a fellow art teacher and an amazing painter. This drum kit is an extension of the larger map set I submitted a few weeks back. This set is also wrapped in maps, but the kick drum is cut down to my signature 10 by 22. I also have a 13 by 12 cut down floor tom and a custom wrapped eight. Oh, that's not an eight, nine inch cowbell. 
I'm also using my dream symbols, which I highly recommend. They are articulate, bright, and extremely affordable. I recorded both of my albums with my band, The Watchbirds, using them, and I couldn't be happier. I have a variety of symbols from the Vintage Bliss line and the Paper Thin line as well. I was playing with my other band, Fairfolk, which is an acoustic folk Americana group. That setup was perfect for those players that night. Thanks, as always, for the support, Josh. Yeah, I was looking at the... Um, I can't... Do you think that is probably what the artist submitted? I'm, I'm assuming that's what Josh... Drew up from drew his up. painting? Yeah, drew up and Let then... us know in the uh, comments, Josh, like, is this what you used of his... Or did you draw that? Because whoever drew that did a really nice job, you know, just sketching it out. And then you can look at the bass drum. That came out so nice. I want to say that Josh did the sketch and then Troy painted it on. Oh, okay. Yeah. There we go. Well, just I, I, no, Josh, I'm, if I'm, I'm wrong, idiot. correct I'm an me. Idiot. That, that makes more sense. That You're fine. Um, so, yeah, that's, that is super cool. And like I said, came out really nice on the bass drum head. And, you know, that's something a lot of people like to do nowadays is do the custom uh, customized bass drum head painted. And they're very expensive. And it takes a while because it's, you know, it's got to be done by hand. So having the ability, you know, in Josh's case here to do it himself, that is just then everything becomes basically like we've always said with this stuff, like everyone is a, a little work of art. Yeah, and I'm glad Panda Drum had to coming back into style again. Yeah, yeah. Because what did you get? Um, I got that shark forever That's ago. That's right. Do you, you, did you ever submit a picture? I can't remember if I did or didn't. Uh, do you have it on your phone? I might. If so, we will show that off. But anyway. Well, I feel like we did. Um, back to Josh. A nice shot of the bass drum with the map theming on the cowbell and like he said his signature 10 by 22 bass drum there's a flipped upside down shot of the whole setup uh, which i'm assuming he was talking about with the folk group and there are those dream symbols that he was talking about and uh, dude i've heard so many people that have had really nice of like nice sets of dreams I've never personally run across any, but none of the stores around here really ever tried to carry any of the dream stuff, even though it's way more affordable. Yeah. Um, but I do know, Hugh being one of them, that people that have like a nice jazzier kind of set, and they're usually comprised of dreams. Yeah, I know that the the vintage stuff, the vintage bliss that he was talking about yeah. is really good. Um, whenever I did the recording of those swindle drums that he built the guy that was also there we're demoing his massive cherry drum that's like his main crash is a crash ride mm -hmm. it's a big 20 inch or 21 um dream vintage bliss and that's what he plays because he does a lot of like crash rides just like banging out with his band um goth dad and i thought i sounded great I even did i even take a symbol off and just did like my whole little jazz section with it and it sounded amazing so i mean you get you get lucky with Dream, and then I know that their Dark Matter series has kind of also kind of taken off. I think yes, they, I think they for sure. I think they revamped it because it used to be kind of okay. It was like way too heavy, but now I think they've gotten everything like dialed in. And they do that Dark Energy flat ride sounds so good because it's not a true flat ride. It has a very small bell, which gives it more uh, projection articulation, which is what a bell does. Mm -hmm. So it's like you have just enough bell. To where it's like still considered a flat ride, mm -hmm. but it's so much louder than what 
a normal flat ride is, which I think is dope if everyone else would do that. Like, bring back the old mini cups. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and Josh let us know in the comments that is his sketch. So, okay, he did the sketch, and the guy painted it on. It came out really nice, as usual. I, I like that that design, and I like the colors a lot. Um, so, another... Oh, wrong picture. Another cool submission by Josh. We appreciate it, as always. And, of course, thank you to all of the Legacy members that send in stuff every week. You are what makes up the show. Everybody talking to us in the chat. Everybody that gets to hang out, basically, on a weekly schedule when when things aren't going wrong through us. So, so thank you to all the Legacy members. You can see their names here up on the screen. And remember, if you want to send anything into the show, if you got a drum that you've been working on, something you're repairing, or something you just want to show off, you can always send it to beardeddrums at gmail.com. Or you can get Jarrett and myself on Instagram. Jarrett is at J underscore rat. And I am at snelson underscore junior. So, thank you to Josh and Mark for their submissions this week. It's cool to see <clears throat> Mark's project kind of progressing along. And then, I always say it, Josh always has another cool project, which, you know, we got to see his pictures last week from the St. Louis, St. Louis drum show. And he had a, a nice collection of stuff to show off. And I said it last week, and I, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that he'll get that call from Dave Weckl. Be like, hey man, I want to collab and do an artsy drum set. That'd be very cool. I think it'd be because as much as um, Dave Weckl's done with everyone else, like just like his years of drumming, I'm I know he won't go like like a Americana esque route, but I think he'll do something like I hope he'll do a, a tribute to Chick Korea in some shape or fashion because he did play with him. And I think both his electric and acoustic band for so long. Like, that was his big thing. Um, well, and he's, you know, he was smart, and he managed to keep himself in good shape. So I don't think he's going to be slowing down. There's the picture. Anytime soon. Um, so I can expect that, you know. Like you said, <clears throat> I think, I wouldn't want to say Americana, but I think his his vibe will be way chiller as he kind of moves on into the part of, you know, this is the time if you, if you're hyper successful like him, this is the part of his career. He controls completely. Yeah. What gets put out, whether he's going to go on Drumeo or put out his own DVD or, you know, own online course, he really has like total control of how his sunsetting of his career yeah. goes. Um, so I think, I think there'll be plenty of cool stuff and, you know, I, I wouldn't have probably thought about it like that, but a Chick Corea thing—that's totally in the realm of possibilities that he would set up an like a killer band to do like a tribute album or something like that. Because it's only been how long since Chick passed? A year? Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, you got to give it a little time. But um, I'm going to send this to the computer. But yeah, I think that's be something you'll probably see down the road. I think if he goes with uh, if him if Josh works with him, I think it'd be a cool thing to do. Or we could be wrong, and Dave Weckl has like a secret love of uh, like Civil War era, like old American we even know about. That's what's, what's one of my favorite things about Josh. What he does is that American traditional is my I love that so much. You get into like your um, oh my gosh, I'm looking at his name, Sailor Jerry esque. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've always loved that. I've I've always just loved the the boldness um, of American traditional compared to everyone else's art. I mean, everyone else's art is cool, but I just like how bold American traditional is. Like those birds. I guess those would be swallows. Uh, I could be wrong. I'll go Let's back. Just... Let me uh, get over to the picture. Well, I got it up right now. I think it's a swallow. I need Josh's confirmation. I'm terrible with birds. Um, so I want to say they have like that. That's a swallow do its forked tail like that. Um, but it's like, I love how bold it is. And it was just classic American traditional is like you pick like three or four colors and that's it. You don't do a whole bunch of other crazy ones. Like it, you pick like three stable, like main colors and you just run with it. Mm -hmm. Like yellow, green, and red is big. Um, there's this guy on one of those like tattoo documentaries I saw. He was an old, he was a sailor. He has just this massive eagle on his chest. And I think the only colors that was used was black, red, and yellow. And that was it. Like, that's all you have to go off of. And it looked dope. Super cool. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that style. I like that. I don't know what you, like you, I guess that's a good It's American traditional, I think. Is, okay. Yeah. I like that. If I'm, I could, that's what Weedus has always called it. He does tattoos. Yeah, yeah. No, I can dig it. Um, and I actually, now that I have it, I have the photo of your painted bass drum. It'll probably be sideways. I don't know it from Instagram. It's all right. I I, I, no, I think it's, um, I think, is this it? Here we go. No, it came out right. Yeah, it came out looking dope. I forgot. You, you, I don't know if you showed it on the show, um, but you definitely sent it to me. Yeah, so that's, um, so that's done by, uh, her name's Megan Palin Palin um, on Instagram. Um so she's done a bunch of stuff for folks. She's done a couple of heads for Timbo from Kino. Yeah. Uh, like the floral ones that he has, all yeah. the flowers. She's done those. Um, I think she did another, like a landscape one for him as well. And then there's the ones on the Hendrix kit with like the lines, like the triangles or whatever. Uh, like kind of like, not sunburst, but like kaleidoscope, I guess. I don't know what you would call it. She did that one as well. So he has like four or five of her heads um, that she's painted. I've want her to do another one for me she did a magnolia i think it's still up um i want to get it because it's it's a it's a it's our state flower yeah yeah and it's a awesome head and it's a 22 inches it's massive magnolia. how much did this one run you that was uh 300 due to the fact she gets the head then she paints it yeah washes it and then she also ships it to you so that's it and then she does the porthole um per your request if you want nice one or not. no i think it came out good i like that it's you know I don't want to say simplistic, but like it's just the image of the shark on the head, not like some scenic, you know, view painted behind him. I like that it's just that, and the the painting of the shark itself is a really good painting. Like I like the style. Um, I think it came out looking really good, and the drum that you put it on, it kind of fits that, you know, with the wood showing and the two different tones of the wood. It kind of looks. I don't want to say nautical, but you know. I wanted because I wanted rustic ish. Yeah. I wanted it to be very simple and very yeah. clean. I was like, she's like, well, what do you want? I was like, well, you did a painting of a whale for a guy a while back, and I was just like enamored because it was just so just white background, just humpback whale, just dope. And I was like, well, I love sharks. My favorite shark is the hammerhead. And I was like, so do you want to you want to do that? And she's like, I've never done a shark before. Came out great. She's like, I'll do it, and I think it's great the way it's posed. And the cool part about you can't see it from the photo, 
But if you get up real close, you can see she painted the individual teeth as well. Nice. The mouth. So it's like, it's super, it's like her attention to detail was really thought out. Like everything is small. Um, the way it's done right. Um, she even did the, the claspers on the shark. Uh, it's going to be like, I believe it's what she was supposed to, was what she did, which is the, the very bottom. Um, so you have the pectoral fins, which are like the arms, mm -hmm. and then the little two small ones underneath it. Yeah. Uh, female sharks have, if I'm not mistaken, have claspers, and that's okay. how you determine. Yeah, that's nice. And, you know, definitely well worth the money. Now you have a, a piece of art that is, you know, a one of one that yeah. is for you, and that is for your drum kit. So that's a, that's a definitely a, a, a super cool thing. And then you've got... What's the girl that's real popular from the UK that does that? Uh, thick and Skin. Thick and Skin. And there's somebody else. There's another one I've seen. There's a guy I found recently. forgot his name. Uh, he has he plays like real, like um, classic American music, um, like blues and stuff. And he paints drum heads for folks. Mm -hmm. um, I can't think of his name. He just did a Pac-Man head for a guy recently. <laughs> nice. Um, like... It was really cool. Like, he did a really good job how it turned out. Um, I know he's does painted heads too. He did, so he's done two heads in particular for big name people. He did the clown for Wooden Weather, mm -hmm. for one of the bass drums. Then he also did some drum head for Carter McLean as well. Nice. So Carter hit him up, and he I forgot the, I think it was like a, a coffee mascot or something. Yeah, like an old like fifties print. That he did up for Carter um, huh. for one of his for that uh the kit you hate the uh the heritage green Ugh, gross it's cool terrible, terrible. olive drab it's that's amazing. what I, I want Love my it. what color do you want your drum set to be well you know those World War Two tanks that is the theme I'm going for terrible terrible get the shark mouth put on the uh, on the bass drum that'd be dope it's doable like a fighter and then like the front head has yeah it's like, like a red now, okay see yeah. now you're nah, getting into nah, the nah, realm nah. of you can theme it yeah now i'm with you yeah but just that that drab olive thing sitting there it sounds great especially now that he's playing heavens yeah. but no i couldn't do it and i i, I want to say the 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 night that i had the wild hair up my butt to even consider ludwig <laughs> like brand new uh, I didn't like a lot of their colors, I have to admit. It, or at least what is in stock. Granted, there's a lot of cool colors. Everybody has awesome colors, but it's like, what can you actually purchase? And what Sweetwater had, just no. Besides the fact that no drum set had a bass drum mount on it. Like, no, I'm not I'm not playing that game. Yeah, you, you can't. I like my swindle kit without having a bass drum, because I can put like the bongos and stuff on top and be like creative and artsy. But then... At the same time, when I got the when I did that bob kit, and I was like, "No, I'm gonna put the reel on, have the mount. It's all gonna be bada bing, bada boom. It's gonna make sense. It's gonna be easy to get around. I don't have to bring out the snare stand. I mean, it'd be cool, but at the same time, it's just it's just it makes more sense. It's just one less thing to bring around. Of course, I still I mean, I still get it today." And I got it twice over the weekend. Someone was like, man, I like that little drum set. I'm like, yeah. It all comes in one load. You can pick those drums up with two hands, and you're out the door. Like, if you were just carry, if you just had to carry the shells, you are literally hand in hand, out the door. And it sounds so good. Like, yeah. All you got you throw a mic on anything, you can make it sound good yeah. with a good board. Um, and there, there are many places that I wish I was brave enough to take that little kit. Some of the really big spots, but there are... You know, like 
you get to a certain size and that little short 10 just doesn't really do yeah. it just goes bup, 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 bup. there's no <laughs> there's no note yeah it's just simple attack but yeah, gotta get into my room we gotta start cranking that baby up a little bit put a little <laughs> little tension Stephen. don't be scared no no there's no tension in the uh in in the pop realm that's where I got to be all. And then, of course, Brendan gets on the kit on a Sunday and hits it so hard that he completely detunes the 10. Like, that's happened. It, granted, he wasn't there this Sunday, which was, uh, oh, that's right. He's in. He's doing the Key West run right uh, now. I'm sure they're probably back by now because it's Thursday. But, yeah, he was doing the Key West run. So he was there what would be good weather, like, they're getting out of like the super hot part of the season. Granted, it's probably still not very, not very cool down there. It yeah, Florida, West. Florida's always, it's always hot. Uh, Charlie is agreeing. So true on the little kits. I mean, look at the flats rig I used in the London a week or two ago. Yeah, like, and the, you know, I've gone through a bunch of those tiny kits. That's the first one where I was actually like, no, this is a good like, all the time. I mean, obviously every Sunday, probably 50% of the regular gigs. It's like, no, all I need is that. It'll work. It'll work perfectly. And that means I don't have to carry out the heavy ass reference. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was the first time where it was like, cause the, even that little Mapex has some shortcomings. Um, it's eight, 10, 12 is the floor Tom. So obviously that little 12 can only be t detuned so much. Yeah. It's not going to sound like even a 14, which no. I've always been uh, super impressed with the 13 on that Midtown. That thing smacks, and it's you know not a hyper expensive shell. I don't know what it well, You'd probably know better than I would what's in there. It's probably mahogany and something. It's just it's 100% popular. Oh, there you go. You know, not the loudest shell out there. No. But that 13 on that, that kit... That's nice. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, they've all kind of had their shortcomings, if, even if it's only one little thing. That was the first one was like, well, if the 10 is the shortcoming, I can deal with that. You know, because in most rooms, it sounds fine. It's only really that you get to the big rooms where it becomes like, oh, if, if they only made a 12. Yeah. Because what I'd want to do, uh, if I would like to do it again, I'd either want to get... Um, 12 13 16 or 12 14 16 like to have a little more umph up top i know the 13 will get down like i know the usa custom and broadcaster and i, th and I think they also do it for the brooklyn's now too um you can get 16 inch kick drums and those kicks sound great and that one sounds the one the midtown is great like figured you get a maple gum 16 inch bass drum you know it's going to sound good i mean if poplar sounds good 16 that's yeah, gonna, no, that's I gonna, could yeah. only imagine if you were to order, like, special order through Pearl. Uh, you know, you could even do it through the Music City program, which basically what the, I think the least expensive one you could pick um, would be that Masters Premium Maple or whatever the selected Maple one is, and get them to build you a all-Maple 16-inch kick drum. Dude. Yeah, it'd be game over. That, that sounds so good. Like, like you said, say, 16... But since I could pick the depths, and it's a maple shell, <clears throat> probably could stick with ten and just do a typical ten by seven, seven by ten, and then I would probably do literally the same sizes. But because it's a maple, all maple shell that that pearl six ply maple that I love so much, I don't think you would even have to adjust that formula. 
um, it's just I'm not going to pay. <laughs> yeah, that would be a, that'd be quite expensive to do that. It would be at least a couple of thousand if you just ordered the shells and took the hardware off that. Yeah, that'd be be cool though. Yeah, it'd be super dope. You'd have to win the lottery to be able to just like frivolously spend like that, like we were talking about earlier. So this is this is my idea. If you win the lottery, you go out. It doesn't matter because you won the lottery, right? You've gotten millions of dollars. You go out, you just go on to eBay and you type in Ludwig 19, what, Jared, 30s? 30s, yeah. Black Beauty. Whatever. Hit the tags. Engraved. Special edition. You know, Bill Ludwig's blood is on it. And you pay the stupid $17,995.95 that they're asking for buy it now. And then you make a YouTube video where you completely strip the drum. You pull off those straight hoops. You put die cast on there. You have it sandblasted down to take off all the engraving. You put an indie throw off. You drill into the side of the shell. And then you take it out on a pop gig and play Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. And then you just watch the comment just section explode with every vintage overlord just lost all of his power. And it's like at the end of the Lord of the Rings when the tower just kind of starts to fall, but then it explodes halfway through. That would be every Ludwig collector's mind because they would be so furious at you for you know committing what is basically a sin yeah that's uh you're crucifying a a 1930s holy grail snare drum Mm -hmm. all because tell them the story about the acrylite guy which i after hearing the story i agree with the acrylite guy but tell them what happened um so there's a, a recent video a couple months ago this guy gets an acrylite perfectly good acrylite great condition um it's a 70s with the weird um, not an orange peel, but it's got that the gray paint on it. Guy goes through, strips off the paint, takes all the hardware off, powder coats it sky blue, which is dope, puts brass tube lugs on it, which is cool, then puts a brand new one of those fancy engraved Ludwig throw-offs, and puts on wood hoops with claws, because his inspiration was those hello drums from Drum Supply Warehouse. I think that's where he got his hoops from, too, and all his parts. So he basically said, I want to turn this into that. Then he puts a fiber skin on it. And it sounds great, but everyone in the comments was like, that's a perfectly good acrylite, gone forever, never to be able to, you know. What? Be sold again? Yeah. At the right price? That's what they're, at the end of the day, that's what they're, it, they can say whatever they want, but they're, what they're really saying in their mind's eye is, because you can't list it on eBay as a blah, 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 Acrylite, whatever. Now you have to say modified in the price. It's so stupid because once you describe that drum to me, you know, picture everybody right now in your, in your imagination hole, an Acrylite, but it's sky blue. Well, that's cool. With brass lug, tube lugs to offset it, now it looks classy. And you're going to even go one step cooler with wood hoops. And uh, what did you say? Put like a, a Evans caftone on no, there? No, he put a, uh, put a fiber scale on top. There you go. That sounds like, and whatever the argument that the collectors are making, it's like, well, if you're going to make a custom drum because you wanted a specific color and you wanted a, a certain look with the wood hoops and the claws, why not, instead of just getting some random maple or steel shell from one of the stores, why not take a cool drum like an old Acrylite and make that the drum? Yeah. That makes way more sense. 
But then, like you said, you've got all of the the overseers who just want to stare down at you from that pedestal when they've got 48 mint condition acrylites behind them in every color. That always, that I cannot stand that, like, dudes that have multiples of the same drum, like, Okay, you love you love that drum. I get it. This one is a different year, different badge. Yeah. That makes sense. But to have four side by side of the same year for what? You're literally all you're doing is I mean, I get this is between like collecting and playing. And then sometimes overlap. You have guys who collect but don't play, you know. I I I get that, but like why have four? And then the dude did whatever he wanted to. It's his drum. He yeah. bought it. And it's but, not like it was ruined. No. And it's like, well, there's there's not many bullshit. You can find tons of acrylites out there. Why don't you hit up one of those guys that post stupid pictures on Instagram that have a 50-piece collection? And like you said, they've got 12 of the same, keystones, yeah. 12 blue and olive did they make him in the transition era? If they do, if they did, then he's got twelve. You yeah. know, and it's like, come on, man! Like I can understand having like you want one from every area, but once you start doubling up, that's like me having two Duco's thirty snares or two of the same same finished jazz fet. Like that would be dumb. Yeah. Oh, but well, I don't know if you know this one. Kind of sounds different. Like it's you know, if you want to play, it, <coughs> oh. If you want to play it, fine. If you don't, you want to collect it, fine. But, like, there are guys that hoard stuff. And that's where it's like when they, well, there's not a lot out there. Well, why don't you talk to the guys that are hoarding this stuff and tell them? Yeah. And it's like you don't need that many. I mean, I get it. You're collecting whatever. But if someone, like, really wants it, like, wants to play it, I'd be like, you know what? Out of the six I have, I think I'd be just fine with five. Yes. Because I I'm I know I'm to the point, and you're kind of you're pretty much there too, with the exception of a couple pieces you own that just you know need to be cared for. Short of that, it's like everything here can be played. I don't care what gig it is, and I don't really care anymore. On you know, well he's going to be sitting in. All right, whatever, let him play. I don't care. If the worst comes to worst, I got to change a drum head. You know, in most of the situations we all have to deal with, nobody's going to break any of these drums. Maybe that one. Yeah. But still, that's when you just tell the guy, like, hey, man, it's like a billion years old and it's got wood hoops. Let's let's tone down the rim shots a little bit. Other than that, you know, play it. Yeah. Um, so I've never understood the hoarding thing. Because in my mind, that either means one of two things. If you have that much of a one specific thing, you're either a like a diehard collector and you it's for the love of the drum. But guys like that write books. And make videos and show then like school you and let you know like yeah this is what a real 30s blah 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 looks like and you can tell because it's got this hammer mark or whatever um, but the other half of those guys they're only hoarding it to wait to sell it later on eBay and try to charge some of the dumb prices I know every single one of us has seen when you've gone <coughs> on Re- reverb or eBay I mean, I know we've all seen that $10,000 snare, that $7,000 kit, and you're going, man, like, who pays these prices? Yeah. Um, and then and, if, and then one guy made a good point in one of those videos. He's like, well, with inflation, he's like, you're not making any money. He's like, you think you are, but you're not. And he's like, you're just holding on to something that's not, you're like, you're, the perceived value you think is going up when it's not. He's like, with inflation and how much our dollar's not worth, he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, 
that like you're you're wasting your time and i was like damn and that, it's, it's, but that hurts <laughs> it's kind of our fault too because like some of us pay those prices yeah that's how you get to the point where it's like yeah this uh old constantinople k 20 inch ride is three thousand dollars like are you kidding me or like this you know you've seen it with the kits you've seen it with the snare we've all seen it with the snares especially yeah everybody's seen that ten thousand dollar snare on ebay or that i've i've seen i think the most expensive i ever saw on ebay was 20 and it was like literally 19 nineteen thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars buy it now for some whatever like super old i think it was a ludwig that some famous drummer owned yeah, I think I we think we talked about it. It was a Oasis drummer, and he did like three albums on that kit. Yeah, whatever. and it was like, you know, you know when that stuff is real because there's like ways to authenticate it. Usually, some kind of piece of paper that's coming along with it, and or a photo to show, like here it is. Then this is it. Now it's been signed by whoever the person is. Yeah, and it's coming with a sheet that's going to actually authenticate by serial number, and you know, like you'll know. And and granted. <clears throat> when those kind of sales come up, it's like, yeah, I'm excited to see who would get that drum because that's cool. But then you see the other guy that just is overcharging for an Acrolyte on eBay. And then it's like, well, come on, man. Like, you're just playing the market. Yeah. And drums is not that big of a market. No. You know, it's like I said, it's all of our faults because some of us pay those dumb prices sometimes. I've done it. I can't remember. There was some piece of vintage gear it was like a snare that i bought and i just paid the dumb price like to buy it now only because i just wanted it right then and there and the funny part is is i can't even remember what drum it was and i obviously don't have it anymore (laughs) so was it obviously that important no No. i probably overpaid by a couple of hundred bucks because i just had to have it now that was the that was the uh the the thought going through my head for that millisecond and then you're like oh okay well that was stupid and a lot of those guys, uh, I, I know it sounds bad, but like they are like that guy with that uh, Gretsch drum that I got, the student model one with the six lugs, the Dixieland. Yeah, yeah. He did not want to budge from that price until like we barely whittled him away. And I was like, honestly, man, I don't need it. It'd be cool to have it, but it's whatever. And that was it. And those guys are like, I know how much this drum's worth and how much money's in it. It's like, it's a good deal. I'm like, no, it's not. Sorry. Goodbye. The deal is what somebody will pay for. Yeah. That's like, like, the, and then they, and the guy comes back like, well, how about my, no, now I'm like the powers of my court. Cause yeah, you want to yeah. sell no, it. it. Like you want to sell it. And it's like, you're just mad that you made a terrible investment. You think, well, no, or you're mad that you can't be greedy and get quite as much as you want. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever made money on anything I've ever sold. If anything, I got my money back out of it. Yeah. Like, and that's when I usually am like very lucky or I had something that was almost brand new. I could get what I had in it back out. The, that done it snare drum. Uh, only reason I think I got literally what I paid for it eight years prior was because I took the drum that was so expensive and then any of the, uh, you know, the degrading of the value over time or me playing it was made up by the fact that I took it and had it signed by him. Yeah. So that, at, you know, that was probably what is the best situation you could ever hope to come out with is just get your money back. They think they're going to make money. And it's like, that's not how, there's not enough margin in the music business to no. do that. You know, and it'll, it, yeah, super famous guitars go for a million dollars. 
drums don't go for that much. It does, you know, because even though most of people you say Buddy Rich and then know who you're talking about, there's still a huge portion of the world that was like, what? Yeah. What are you talking about? You know, or, you know, pick a drummer, pick the drummer that you think is the most recognizable name ever. Um, Will Ferrell doing the cowbell thing. There's going to be people that are like, huh? I know Will Ferrell's, but what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, it's just, we don't have that kind of market. Um, the only other time you see something like that majorly happen is when, like, the Nazi snare drum comes up. Yeah. Only because that's a freaking gold Nazi snare drum. Then, yeah, okay, now you're going to make the news, and now you're going to get into Christie's auction prices. But that is, like, the exception to the rule. Your little acrylite? It's no. not that big of a deal. You know, uh, and actually we got um, Mark saying, I have two acrylites, and I'm going to paint one hammered bronze and adding two lugs. F people, it's my drum. That's, I, I think you could say it better. You, two birds and drop the mic and yeah. walk away. <laughs> and that's what I said about the guy with the uh, powder blue acrylite. I'd have been like, F y'all, I'm out of here. You, you know that drum probably sounds great. Yeah, the it's an acrylate shell. Awesome, yeah, and it looks cool. So, kind of like Mark said, have off. And we got David Bygum in here. Hope everybody's Thursday vibes are going well. Yes, they are. They're going good here. We hope they're going good with everybody watching. Um, but yeah, so I, I'd, I'd still, <clears throat> but I guess it just means I fall in that camp, like you, and probably most people are like, why would you not just? Put it out there or play it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the whole, they're all in individually wrapped bags and you can't touch. It's like, no, that's dumb. I've done that and it was stupid. It was a waste of money. It's just something that sat and so occasionally somebody like you would come over and go, show me the blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, wow. It came out for the first time in a year. Yeah. Um, and that's how it was with uh, with that Danette snare. As nice as it was, I never want, it was it was too pretty, and it was. That's the worst thing about the titanium. You even touch it once, and it's like very noticeable fingerprint. So you could. I, I did. That was probably the only time in my life I did like you were talking about. Wipe it down, clean it, and then either have white gloves on, or make sure when you sit like you wipe the last little fingerprint off and put it in the case. That's stupid. In my and I being that I did it, I think you've crossed the line when you've got white gloves out. Yeah, like that's when you're like, okay, this is <laughs> this is stupid. Yeah, there's a there's a kid that's at the at Rock YouTube, um, who Mr. Tim recorded, and he had some ride symbol that was like extremely precious that he brought out gloves for. So he take his gloves to put it on the symbol stand. <laughs> then have his I'm not done yet he takes his sticks whatever he plays uh, I think he said he played like he'll either like he'll swap between nylon and wood depending on what he wants to do but when he gets done he has the stuff he cleans it right there gets all the stick marks off white gloves it back into its particular case for the next time I'm like that is so much work for, How could you enjoy the symbol if you spend more than half the time dealing with its maintenance? Yeah, like, and you and me are the same way. I wanted to get cruddy. I like that green stuff that gets on the top. Granted, I wanted to get too much of it. You got to wipe a little bit away because it'll start to eat away because it's that, uh, so I'm to the Statue of Liberty. It's whatever eats that brass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so 
little green is cool, but I don't want to have it covered in green. But it's like the but it's got all that it's got all my chicken grease from the bar. Mm-hmm. It's probably got a little bit of blood if I like smashed my knuckle on the floor tom by accident on the snare drum doing a rim shot. It's like it's got funk, it's got dirt and dust and it's gonna and then some folks I don't think understand that like symbols age and they their tone changes. Oh yeah. it's metal. Like even watching uh those guys that make symbols like this is after three weeks of rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, dude, I'm like, holy crap, that sounds crazy. It's like, here's when I first did it, completely different symbols. Like, got the metal, it's got to chill, it's got to mellow out, yeah. it's got to do its thing. Or like, it's you've like, seen the, when you're, you know, when we've all seen pictures of the vault, when they shoot videos at Zildjian or Sabian, that's what those symbols are doing. They're not there because it's like, oh, you can pick through them. It's like, no, they're sitting there and they're, I think they call it seasoning. Yeah. It's got to sit there for however long, a month or two, however long it's got to sit to just get to a point where they can sell it. You know, or they're happy with the sound. Um, uh, actually, Charlie was weighing in on what we were talking about. He said uh, he thinks the most expensive kit ever sold was Ringo's 63 Ludwig for a mere, guys, $2.2 million, which is a lot of freaking money. Uh, I think for any piece of musical memorabilia. So that's pretty much what when you hear about like Eric Clapton's whatever, whatever, or Jimmy Hinn, it's always like, Millions, Yeah. You know, um, and he said that was far from pristine. It's obviously one of the ones he played, so it was probably beat to hell. Yeah. Um, like chips coming off the paint from the wood hoops. and um, But, yeah, that's um, that's some serious money to throw at something. But I, I kind of get it in that sense because it, it is the Beatles. I mean, yeah. you can't you can't really doubt their power as far as like if you had Paul McCartney's little violin bass or if you had one of the electrics that um, John Lennon played or like a piano that John got good lore I could only imagine yeah um, but like I said other than the Nazi snare drum and like a Beatles kid or something like that yeah we just don't have the market where you can play that kind of like God roll on eBay <laughs> Yeah, we're like you will pay for this. <laughs> like I saw the the guy's a channel called Music Is Win, and he does lessons and stuff. And he got to play. I think it was one of Eric Clapton's guitars. And the last person to play it was Eric Clapton. Oh, and he played it, and someone goes in the volume, and he and he goes insert South Park meme, and it's gone. And it's like, well, now it's the last person who played it is is you. It's not Eric Clapton yeah, anymore. Yeah. But it's still Adam Clapton's guitar. I was like, I wouldn't care. And it's like, you want to know, like, it's his guitar. It's like, wouldn't you want to know, like, what's the tones he has to set to? Yeah, like, I mean, or like, what, you know, what that instrument feels like. Yeah, like because there's got to be a certain feel to an instrument to be as iconic as Eric Clapton's guitar or Jimi yeah. Hendrix. Well, what you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, same thing. Like I would imagine, like, say somebody's set in front of you right now magically. Uh, Buddy Rich's White Marine Pearl tuned, ready to go. His sticks are laying in front of you. Then you get to do the same thing. Yeah, I want to. I want to see what it sounds like. Like, what did what Buddy does his twelve really sound like? Yeah, what does Buddy hear when he plays? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Because we talk about it all the time, especially at the juke joint. There's what it, and this is obviously applies anywhere you play the drums. Is what it sounds like to you sitting on the throne, and what it sounds like even standing three feet in front of the kit. Yeah, like complete difference it's nine day so to be able to hear 
what Buddy heard would be or, so cool. Or, or, or whoever. Know. Steve Jordan. I mean, I don't care. It's like, you know, whatever they play. It's like, you have the records. It's not the same. It's like, you got Mike's doing that and other stuff. I want to hear what he heard. Because we're all trying to cop, you know, and it's, I don't want to say copy because it's just your, your influence as a drummer. But there's something in your everybody's kit, if not the whole thing, that they're drawing direct influence from from somebody that they looked up to or is that like me it's 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 a it's a very specific it's a 10 inch tom all my 10 inch toms will ever sound like is me trying to straight up mimic the sound of carter beaufort's 10 inch tom it has a very specific note length he, he tunes it mid maybe mid high um so it's not like it's a weird pitch tuning it's just the way he just goes thum, and it just drops um, and I've heard it live. I've heard it on albums. So it's not like it's something they just did shaping it in the studio. Like that's how, and it's that dude who we talk about him a lot, that drum tech that he's had since day one. Um, there's all kinds of cool stories about Carter Beaufort's drum set. Like Carter Beaufort has two Chinas on his right side. And as a kid, I always just thought it was because he's a stadium drummer. He's getting max volume because when he hits the China, the China hits the other China. So it's like, and that's kind of what his signature, you know, everybody's got a trashy sound usually on their kit. That was his trashy sound. He uses a lot of splashes and two, two up crashes, but that was the one thing that was like abrasive on his kit. And I always just thought that was his signature thing. We'll come to find out when we watch those. Uh, the Harry Myrie. The Harry Myrie or Miri videos yeah. when he interviewed Carter Beaufort's drum tech. Number one, we found out that dude has been with him since day one because he runs lights for him now. Like he's been with him so long, he was doing his drum stuff and ended up being the light guy. So now he's like head lighting guy for their tour, but also <clears throat> does Carter's uh, kit tuning yeah. set up everything. And he explained that that double China thing is just all it was, was because the China so freaking loud back in the days when they actually played clubs, they put the second China up as a baffle against the first China. So it wasn't this artistic choice. No. He didn't smack cymbals around to find the perfect combo. His sound tech put it up there to block some of the sound because of the fact that it's an obnoxious sounding, probably 18 inch China. Yeah. Um, so I always thought that was like a cool insight. And that's what I've been doing most of my life with 10 inch toms, trying to mimic what I have. Like, you know, you can hear something in your head. You've locked that sound in. For you, it may be a hi-hat or a snare or some way somebody's kit, but you know you can play it in your head over and over again. And I've always tuned my tens kind of to that thought process, basically trying to mimic what is probably the most influential player on me. Yeah. Um, mine, mine is definitely... Uh, it's it's a very specific sound. And it's like, it's a one hit. It's what you get. But it's from... Uh, I want to say it's like late 60s or early 70s. It's Buddy Rich's big band playing West Side Story. Mm -hmm. And there's a part that goes, the band goes, and they all hit. He hits the snare drum on the, and then like that to me is like, that's where my yeah, yeah. my rim shot needs to sit at. It's right there. Because he didn't crank his snare drum up high like some guys do. He I kind of tune my snare drums around where he tunes his. I think I do, or I my ears to me sounds like they do. So I've always tried to go after like that. But it's just yeah, that yeah. it's just that it's just it's a real meaty hit and you know that he has a whole 
Bit where he plays a long roll from the edge, roll from the center to the edge, back to the center again. Mm-hmm. But there's that that's that snare drum sound that. Well, everybody's like said, everybody's got something yeah. in their head that they're chasing. Um, for some, you, it's that that one snare hit. Yeah, it's just that. It's like it's like it's the perfect. Like to me, it's like the most like if you could just like sample just that. Yeah, yeah. like it's just it's like it to me it sits so well in a mix like in that mix it's just like it's it's perfect. I don't think there should be other be any other rim shot sound besides that one. Like I don't care about Chad Sexton three eleven yeah, yeah. ping shots. Like no, I want Buddy Rich's first three seconds. And they're like it's the third note they play. Mm-hmm. But uh, bump and it's like it's a short jab. The whole band plays as like in unison. It's like but it, it, it just it landed perfect. Yeah, um, I always listen to Phil Collins. Something happened on the way to heaven. Um, you can look it up on YouTube. It's just a good Phil Collins uh, song. It's got a long name, but as soon as you hear the song, you go, oh, that one. Um, his snare sound on that track is like what I would consider the perfect snare sound. It sounds like it's a, uh, obviously it's a 14, it's a wood. It's probably either five or five and a half, because I think that's all he ever played was a standard size snare. But it has like perfect amount of crack, perfect amount of low end coming under the note, and the perfect amount of like what would be perceived ring, because it is recorded and been mastered, so I'm sure that's been taken out. But you can hear the perceived ring of the drum. And it's like the whole way through the it's weird. Cause it's not um it's not like he back then they didn't have Pro Tool. They, they weren't quantitizing drums and doing all this. It was that was done live in studio. And it sounded like he laid the most like consistent drum beat it never went up or down in i mean they can control volume but like he was hitting the same part of the head the whole way through you never heard a miss stroke you never heard kind of like a half rim shot half regular you know it was perfect and that's what i would always kind of go for when i think of like the perfect at least wooden snare sound and it's funny because i don't play anything live that is a five or a five and a half well, Charlie just schooled us on what that snare drum is. Oh, okay, awesome. It's a 14 by 3.5 Noble and Cooley solid shell maple with die cast tubes. Has been Phil's choice of snare for about 30 years. And that now. makes complete sense. Because, like, I, like I, I'm serious. Like, this is like drummer homework. <clears throat> Whether you like Phil Collins or not, we all know who he is. Whether it's because of Genesis or Phil Collins or him doing Disney stuff, go onto YouTube and look up. Something happened on the way to heaven by Phil Collins. It's a cool song. It's an up tempo number. It's got horns in it, but he's got the fattest backbeat going on, and that's like what I consider like that maple. You know, you know what you think of when you hear that maple sound, and that makes sense because you're going to get so much more body and crack out of a solid ply, yeah, especially a noble. And that that three point five actually kind of makes sense because I don't expect most people tune up. As high as I do on snares. I know I crank a lot of my snares. He probably comes from a more traditional, like, realm of normal pitch. So kind of almost what I would consider a lower tuning for that 3.5, which is actually probably really more like a mid-tuning. And that's what you hear on that track. And it's just like, oh, it's, I, I can listen to that song over and over again. Just listening to the snare. I'm, like, tuning out the rest of the song, and all I hear is that snare drum. I have a another weird sound. Um, it's from an old DVD with Steve Jordan, and he's doing a Boss Skaggs tune. Uh, I can't remember the track's name. I can I I can see the album cover. It's blue with him walking, 
but there is a groove he says he plays on that, and it's just a cross stick on two and four. Yeah, but it's like yeah, it's yeah. like the most lovely cross stick sound. Like. <laughs> It's just two and four, but it's like it's a it's like a it's like it's a it's a pure woody cross stick sound. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, he's playing that standard wood hoop snare. I mean, this is this is also like early two thousands Yamaha, so it's like, yeah. it's a whole other ball game. Like that's a pristine year or pristine years of Yamaha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for serious. So it's like those are those are already some great drums to begin with. Plus, they still had the vintage wooden hoops they were doing. He's, yeah, that's he's, right. He's playing that. Uh, whatever, probably, like this. Their maple snare drum at that point with those hoops and the way that bass drum's tuned, it's like it's it's full but it's fluffy, but it's got a tack to it. That's a whole mm-hmm. other miking thing. But it's like you got that just like an iconic to me, iconic bass drum sound. But just yeah. that, but just that cross stick was just perfect. Yeah, it's landed. Just I was like, and it's it's two and four the entire time. And his stick, if I'm right, is a longer stick, which makes more sense. Him having more real estate to yeah. kind of throw down. I think he plays either a sixteen and a half or a seventeen inch stick. I want to say I it's a, I have his. It's a sixteen and a half. That's why I like his sticks a lot. It's one of those sticks that I've never tried out, and I always wanted to. I got a bunch. I'll, I'll bring um, up here next time. I like you brought the Steve Gads, and I like the Steve Gads. Uh, the the you know thanks to Charlie the uh, the natural finish yeah. ones um, for like small and medium sized gigs. I don't really typically use them on anything big. I grab something like the Benny Grab. Um, so thanks Charlie for that because I'm glad that we now know that number one they make that. You weren't as big of a fan as I was about mm-hmm. them. Um, but I'm glad because I always did like that stick. I always have to grab something bigger, though, if, if we're outside, which is typically the Benny Greb. But I've always wanted to try that Steve Jordan. I like it. It's a, it's a cool tip. Like, it's it's round, but then it kind of, like, comes kind of, like, flat. And then the bottom of the bead kind of, like, f- like sharpens off a little bit, too. Hmm. It's a It's a... I use that stick for God for... All through high school and college, it's the only stick I would buy. I didn't buy anything else. I used so many Steve Jordans, and I kept them. I kept them like separated, like because I because I mean I used them. It's so, how I keep the the, the Carter McLean separate yeah. from everything. It's like I I had so many <clears throat> pairs. I had like a good pair, a bad pair, and then I had a whole slew of ones where I've played them so long and so much where. You can kind of see the peace sign of his signature, like that. Like that's how that's how I gauge how old they were. Yeah, yeah. It's like how much ink is left on the, on the the hilt of my sword. You know, it's like how much is left of it. I was like, well, you're kind of faded. You're gone. So you're gonna go in this pile. Yeah, yeah. This one's almost gone. I'll put you with him. And I, that's how I did it because I'd break them and I'd just add so many. I would just mix and match. It's like it didn't matter anymore. You know, I didn't have to have them pitch perfect. It's like they're all old and beat up, you know. Besides the pristine still, ones. I'm sorry. I don't know if it's a natural human thing. I still disagree with the fact that drums are weighted matched. I've always been able to grab a pair of sticks in most cases, and it might be because it's your left hand versus your right hand, and my right hand's dominant. Usually I can feel one that feels heavier. Like, if it's only a slight bit of weight, I always feel like I'm switching between two going, no, nah, that's the one that needs to be in this hand. This is, And I don't know if that's because, obviously, things in your left hand might feel heavier because that's your weaker hand. And my right hand is the strong hand, so I'm like, oh, it's light. But I've never really, I don't know, I've never really given a crap. I'll mix sticks left and right. I don't care. No, we had some, some choice sticks to use in 
high school for marching band and I would swear there's a difference, but it's also I also did really poor tape jobs on my sticks. So I probably had more on one than the other. And Kyle would get so upset at me, he's like, Stop putting the heavier stick in your right hand. He goes, It shows. I'm like, <laughs> But it feels so weird and like this is how bad it was. Like I would literally write L and R on my sticks yeah, yeah. and I'd throw them in because we had like the double stick back on the side of our snare. So I'd be like, you know, I'd put them in there and I'd like, all right, so I'd pull them out. And then if one broke, I'm like, well, you're a righty. So you stay here and I'll grab an, an older left or whichever one broke. I never liked putting double R's together because I was like, it's too hefty. Eventually I, I got over it. And then when I got to college, I was like, I got to stop caring which one goes in what hand. Yeah. And eventually it's just like, it's whatever. Like I just had a slew of all the same sticks and I was like, whatever, just give me a pair that that's both taped. The one I perceive as heavier usually ends up in my left hand, not in my right. Which is, I, which is strange because it's me. I'd want to put the heavier one in my dominant hand. Yeah. Because, well, I think my subconscious is probably telling me, well, this is the weaker hand, put the heavier one in there. So it gets the workout. Um, but I don't know if, like I said, that's probably just me internalizing and going, this one's heavier. And it's probably not. I'm sure all the money that Vic Firth and Promark have spent on their machine. Yeah, like I'm, I, I doubt my brain is more, you know, accurate than those machines. Yeah, I'm pretty they, sure they know what they're down doing. to the nearest <laughs> yeah. ounce. Um, but talking about Steve Jordan, I mean, he's killing it again. You know, you didn't think he could really like, get any higher. Now he's drumming for the freaking Rolling Stones, like, playing a Gretsch kit <clears throat> set up like Charlie played. Like he's got, a U, I think it's a USA Custom or either that or a broadcaster. He's playing and he's got. The symbols are all on the right side, like yep. Charlie played. Um, I mean, for out of anyone who could have done that gig to sit in, I don't think they could have gotten anyone better. No, I, out of nowhere to be yeah. like, you got to go learn all this and then be here. Come on. And then, like, everyone has their own sense of style and how they play. But I think for Steve Jordan, one, I think he kind of lends himself to how Charlie plays naturally. And plus, I think he's like a freak of nature, how he can, I think if he really wanted to, he could totally mock most drummers. I I would take it even further and say anybody. Yeah. Like, it just shows, because when I was younger, I didn't have a a well-rounded opinion about Steve Jordan, but now that I'm old, I don't think there's a smarter drummer out there. Like, and I mean, you have to take in all of it. I'm talking about smarter than playing as far as organizing his career, what what gigs to do, what gigs not to do, you know, which can be just as important. Don't do that album. Yeah. You know, or what like everything comes together and that's the smartest musician I can probably think of. You know, he's gotten to play, you know, which I'm sure is one of his core um, things he needs. He's gotten to play with everybody he's ever wanted to play with. Yeah. You know, and I don't mean, it doesn't matter what we're talking about on the R and B side of things, on the rock and roll side of things, on the hip hop side of things, on the big, st- you know, stadium touring situation kind of things. Like he's had, you know, one of the most colorful careers I think you could even imagine. And he's also a producer top of it all in all of his studio work that he does for himself and other people too. Yeah. And you know, through all that, he's probably a really good businessman now Yeah, because he probably, when he was younger, made certain decisions that weren't not so smart. And now he knows like all of us, that's how you learn. And now he knows, Oh man, you don't do this. You don't, you do this. And then you, you know, and so like I said, I think, you know, he's probably one of the smartest drummers to ever be around. 
Now, one of my favorite <clears throat> interviews is uh, with Reverb, and he's playing uh, a 60s club date, Red Sparkle. Uh, but he talks about doing that Blues Brothers record, uh, the tribute one or whatever. Yeah. He's like, man, I overplayed that record so bad. He's like, at the time, I thought it sounded great. Everyone was liking it. He goes, and look like it now. He goes, that record aged. He goes, so so bad because he goes, players on it were great. He goes, but I, yeah. it's like, I made it aged. He's like, if I would have just played like I should have. Laid back. He's like, and sat not, in the pocket. And not get so, he's like, not get so, you know, I got to, if I would have just played time. He's yep. like, and then like, Simple Fills goes, would have been timeless. He goes, but I think I kind of ruined that record. He's like, but I learned a lot from it. And I was like, well, good on you, Jordan, yeah. to, to recognize it. And he's like, I, I think they even I have a, if I'm one of my mistake I think they even play a part of it he's like you see his face like like wince at his own playing like I should have not done that um, we did it happened to me when uh, when I let you listen to that album uh, that 4 Bay Slim album I hadn't heard it in <clears throat> eight years and even though I knew if I ever heard it again I'm like it's not going to be as good as what you thought at the time um, but I at least thought well even if it doesn't sound as good as you thought it was, you probably didn't overplay. And then I let you hear it, and I'm going, why are you doing that? <laughs> and besides the fact that I thought it sounded ter- not the mix, me. I thought I, it sounded not terrible, but pretty bad. And then on top of that, I'd be like, why did you do that? Why did you do that there? What is wrong with you? Knowing now, if somebody were to call me for a uh, an album thing, it'd be like, like you just said, it's very, it's one word. What are you doing? playing time that's it just time that's all i do you know crash hitting there okay that's it did you flourish the accent on the no i did not <laughs> i did not i center center snare every hit played time the entire time crashes when they needed to be and knowing full well if i heard it now i'd be like there it is it's come full circle now you know what to do nothing <laughs> that's why like um listening to those guys who do session work how they do three takes yeah you have what they want what you want and then normally a bridge between the two yeah um and then one guy's like for me it's like it's a common courtesy he goes on what i want to do he goes i get a little bit fancier and i put in more feels and stuff and you'll see what gets used and then i cannot remember who it was uh it was for some tune, some like a record release, and he's listening to it for the first time. He was like, "Oh, that's cool. They use the busy fill. I didn't think they'd use that." I yeah. was like, "Oh, that's cool. It's, you know, like you have a fill. They have it, it all lined out already. Like nicknames for every little thing that you think is like, yeah, I worked on this fill forever." And they're like, "Oh yeah, that's a that's a whoopsie daisy." Yeah, he's like, "So the busy fills. Oh, they use the one that's real busy, and like you hear like you know, boom, but like a pop tune. I was like, oh my gosh, that's like, and it's just for that one segment, that yeah, tune, yeah. and just it sets up the chorus. And I was like, one that's cool, you recognize they used. He's like, oh, I think it was part of the third track I sent them. You know, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, that's cool that like you just did five songs, and so that's fifteen times well so that's three i'm not doing math it's a lot 15 takes yeah so it's 15 takes it's like you got 15 takes you know to pull all this stuff from the throw into yeah, yeah. That they could use for a song you know you have your three takes for one song and you have, they have 15 to comb through 
That's a, that's a lot to dig through. Well, they're a whole different breed, you know. Yeah. You whatever chop master this studio guy this, you know, stadium guy this. Those studio guys, man, that is a whole nother freaking thing. Um, almost a completely different world. Yeah. As far as what you're playing, how it's got to be done, because everything is you know <clears throat> compounded by ten when you're recording. It's not going to take ten minutes. It's going to take more than an hour to get all this, you know, mic'd. Not mixed up and monitored, just mic'd, you know. Uh, we've all, well, I say we all, I know you have. It happened to me. When you go record in the studio, it's not, you know, just throw a bass drum mic inside the hole. That's not how it's, you know, are they going to do the tunnel method with the quilt? Yeah. Where you've got the close mic and the back mic. Are they going to do one mic typically outside on the head and the flat beta inside the, you know, how are we going to do this? Are we going to do the the worst mic? over the top of the, you know, yeah. so everything gets compounded and that just makes it a whole different world that I don't think most of us really can kind of wrap our heads around if that's what you did all the time. There's a, a cool, like little mini, uh, like a mini, mini doc, um, that say Vic Firth did with, uh, Pat Liam or Liam. He's a session drummer in Nashville and he shows you like a day in the life is like, Hey, all of us are in town for the first time in like five years. He's like, and we got a call. I think it's like for Carrie Underwood at the time. This is years ago. I think it was Carrie Underwood or some big person um, had needed a scratch track for uh, a producer, like an idea or whatever. And so they sent them like, here's kind of like the producer's like, this is what I'm kind of thinking. Can you guys like do whatever? And so you see them go through like Nashville numbering system. Yep. They go through, they track it out. And then, um, uh, Pat's leading the whole band behind the kid. He's like, all right, we're going to do this. He's like, can you play that? Uh, it's an A minor. I was like, yeah, play the A minor. We'll do it for six bars or whatever. Okay, we go one, two, three, four. And then they kick into it and they go through. And then there's a guy in the booth. He's like, and luckily he's like, for them, it was all set up. All they do is just show up and yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, so they just show up and play. He's like, you know, we're lucky we can all get to kind of be here at the same time. He's like, so, uh, like, let's do it. Uh, let's just jam on this part for a minute, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, Paul, thank God. I love Charlie. You mean Paul uh, Liam. Yes, Paul. Thank you. Charlie corrects all of my mistakes. <laughs> it's like my, I'm a terrible wordsmith. And you, Charlie's my uh, my autocorrect. So, like, he's playing and leading the whole thing, and they jam on a section, and then they're like, we'll do, like, this might be a cool solo section. And they go through, they track it, whatever. They have all these takes, and they send it. It's like, well, this is it. We get paid for it. It's like, you only have, like, maybe an hour, you know, two hours to, like, get all this work done and send it out. Because, like, time is money. He's like, and the less takes yeah, yeah. is, like, is better. And I just couldn't imagine, like, being in such, like, I'm, I'm assuming and imagining it to be, like, an extremely, like, go, go, go situation. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it's got to be... Still quality. Yeah. Like, you can't just be... Well, yeah, because Nashville, I mean, I can... More so than really even New York and L.A., the amount of music that comes out of that city. And you, you got to think how many sessions that is. In all of those frick... There's studios everywhere in Nashville. And they're always... I've, I mentioned that they're remotely almost always full. Yeah. Like, there's so, like, someone's working on something at yeah. all times. Um, and it's kind of funny that we even naturally stumbled onto this i stumbled onto a drummer uh over the past couple of weeks i was listening to something i was somewhere and 
it was like a country song or something. And I remarked because I'd heard the song. It was like a 90s country song that I heard a bunch. I was like, man, that that drummer really is good on that that track. I think it might have been like I heard Dixie Chicks somewhere. And it's like I don't really care a crap about the Dixie Chicks. or I yeah. think they're called the Chicks now. Um, but I did remark on this one track. There was like this. It's a country song. But uh like three quarters of the way through the song after the bridge there's like a break and the guy gets a cool drum fill and i was like and that's not a country drum fill you know it had a little kind of funk on it and i was like just internally i was like applause to you my friend well i looked the guy up um the drummer's name is nope that is jared's (laughs) we don't want that we want the other one um the guy's name is jimmy paxson and that is P-A-X-S-O-N. Um, I thought I had... I do, somewhere. Oh, there it is. This is the guy. So I think this is looks like it's on Drumeo. If not, that's just a... Um, uh, a stage lit up and kind of has that same look. But that might be on Drumeo. But his name is Jimmy Paxson. P-A-X-S-O-N. S-O-N. He's played with, obviously, the Dixie Chicks. And then I looked up, and, and like, he has a really big disc- uh, discography of, like, people that he's toured for. He's a killer drummer, but kind of along the lines of what we were talking about with Steve Jordan and Charlie Watts, he is a definitely a pocket player. But he does it so well, and he's also one of those really good pocket players that has really good licks, and he knows when to throw them in. So you can look him up on YouTube. There's a lot of clips that are in this one bar, wherever he's from, playing with these two older gentlemen, like a guitar, bass, and him. And he kills it. They do funkier sounding stuff. They do R&B stuff. And he has just a really, you know, nice feel. Um, And I would imagine because he works with all those country guys, country artists, and being that he's played with the people he's played with, he's probably done a lot of that as well. So it, it would explain, like in the videos I was watching, that were just done with like what looked like a cell phone in a bar. His drums sound immaculate, like, and you're not even hearing the PA because of the of the the um, all the cell phone footage I saw. They were close, so it was like his drums sounded really good. So if you get a chance this week and you just want to hear. Another drummer you probably never heard up. Look this guy up on YouTube. His name is Jimmy Paxson, P-A-X-S-O-N. Really good pocket player. Um, and there's obviously clips of him playing with the bigger artists, but I like the ones that are all of him in the bar with the little blues trio because they do cool-sounding songs. The other two players are really good, and this guy has a really good feel. And I think there's a bunch of other videos on YouTube where he's kind of explaining like getting interviewed by other drummers where he's explaining how he does this and how he does that. So just a very cool drummer for everybody to check out if you have some time this week. Um, So um, where are we getting? Oh, yeah, we are almost there. Um, You got anything else for the day? Uh, No, that's it. Uh, Um, Anything else? Nope, we are caught up in the chat. And, yep, we are all caught up. We did all. Thank you to Josh and to Mark for their submissions this week. Another cool piece done by Joshua Reslow. And it's good to see that Mark's project is coming along quite nicely. Um, What is the girl that you mentioned earlier, again, on Instagram that does the bass drum painting? Um, I'm going to look it up right now. Um, Um, While he's looking that up, uh, remember to check out Jimmy Paxson, P-A-X-S-O-N, on YouTube. 
cool drummer. I think you'd uh, get a kick out of him watch, watching him play with the really famous people and, again, down in the clubs. And then now hopefully Jarrett's found the yeah. bass drum girl. Give, give the Instagram handle. Her name is Megan Palin. So it's M-E-G-A-N. P A I L I N. It's all one word for her Instagram. So M E G A N P A I L I N. And that is the person who did, you can see it on the screen now, Jared's hand painted, really cool looking bass drum head. So look her up if you were interested in that. Yeah, she got a bunch of stuff. Um, She also has a website that she has some stuff she's like pre done outside of commission work. Um, Took me three months to turn around. So if it's something you're looking into, yeah, just know that you know you good stuff. You have to wait for. Yeah, um, and w- I guess we're gonna see Phil at some point this evening. I'll, I'll text him in a minute and be like, "So what's the deal, dog?" Because I haven't heard anything back from. I'm sure he's at rehearsal, but I, you said he was gonna bring that snare drum. I figured he might show up during the podcast, but I guess he's still at. Re- he didn't text me to say he was coming by or anything. But either way, we'll find out. So. That does it for the week. Um, thank you to everybody that tuned in this week, as usual. you know, And thank you to all of the Legacy members. There you are up on the screen right now. And remember that if you want to hear the audio-only version of the podcast, you can catch us on all the major podcasting platforms, such as Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And every Thursday, we should be live here on the channel, 6 p.m. sharp. Jared, what are you going to drop on us this week for the Knowledge Bomb? Well, in the great words of Dusty Springfield. Oh, Dusty Springfield. uh, It's easy, but it's true. I only want to be with you. That's right. That is right. Because I don't know what it is that makes me love you so. (laughs) 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 I never want to let you go. I only want to be with you. All right. Uh, Jared, take us out of here. And other than that, we will see you guys next week. We'll see you on the next one. Later, guys. Peace.